PSO. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your T-Lo, Tom Fitzgerald, and I'm here with the Low in your T-Lo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you? Wonderful. We had a pause because there were sirens going on outside, and the city is just on fire. Like I tweeted this morning, because it is just... Every day. Every day, someone walks past our window screaming their head off, or sometimes just barking, or, or howling. fighting, yeah. Yeah. It's, just, um, it's and been I, crazy. I tweeted about it because I was like, is this just happening in Philly? And it was really weird because within a half hour, it was like, no, Seattle, Chicago, Boston, D.C., L.A., like every city checked in and said, no, the vibe is just weird out there. Um, There's just a lot of pressure, I guess. I just It's been a long 18 months and a lot of people have cracked. And then when you think about people who, I mean, when... When you think about people who are wandering the street yelling things, there, there's a high level a likelihood that some of these people have mental health issues or addiction issues. Right. If you live in the city, you know these things. And something like a pandemic is just going to exacerbate problems for people who were just barely holding on to begin with. So it feels, I said it feels a lot like the 80s. Uh, if you were ever in cities in the United States in the 80s, they, you know, they... Um, opened up a lot of mental health hospitals and released all their patients, you know, and mm-hmm. basically that's why we had the homeless problem in the 1980s. Uh, there was just a lot of, it wasn't just people who were houseless, it was people who were, did not have the capability to handle themselves, who were just pushed out onto the street. And it's just, it's starting to feel very much like that. I told you a week or two ago, I walked to the CVS in our neighborhood and um, there was a guy outside, you know, panhandling, I guess. is I don't even know what the correct word is to talk. is, But whatever. He's, he got really abused, like verbally abusive with me and started. And I didn't, believe me, I did not engage with the guy. It's not like I started anything. And he, as I walked into the CBS, he said he was going to be waiting for me when I came out and everything. And I really wasn't that worried about it. I'm a big guy and I've lived in the city all my life. And honestly, um as a big guy, you get called out by other guys all the time who are just insecure or, you know, whatever. It's just very common. But I left the CVS a few minutes later, and I just did a quick scan of the street. To, and the guy was gone and to make sure he wasn't around. And I was like, God, this feels just like the 80s, where, right. you, where you knew there were certain blocks that you shouldn't go down or certain areas that you shouldn't be in. And- right. I, I When I walk on the street, uh, any street, um, I... I tend to pay attention to who's around me, who's behind me all the time. I know mm-hmm. it's a little, I don't know, I might be paranoid or whatever, but I just pay attention mm-hmm. uh, who's behind me and who's coming or whatever. I, I don't make a scene. Or I don't, you know, just very discreet. I just keep my eyes open and checking what's going on because you never know. You, you not really that never I, know. I'm not trying to describe some sort of hellscape. Life goes on. People are living their life. But it's just, you will have these momentary, you know, scenes and they're becoming more and more it is just like i said this on twitter this morning it's just really normal that someone's going to walk down the street outside screaming their head just off just yelling just yeah. yelling and just yelling their head off right um, i've seen that a lot lately yeah it's we're we're heading into the weird season i think the days are getting shorter and people are fed up and people who have a tenuous hold on things are not yeah. holding on much anymore. Anyway, I didn't mean to start off with something so depressing. We actually have a lot to talk about this yeah. week. Uh, there's a whole pod pourri of conversation. A um, little bit of TV stuff, a little bit of LGBTQ slash political stuff, a little bit of uh, cultural stuff, and some movie stuff. Um, we are going to talk in a, in a little while about uh, 
the shooting that occurred on the Alec Baldwin uh, movie Rust, which was shooting in which which was in production in I shouldn't say shooting in New Mexico, which was in production in New Mexico. There was an accidental shooting on the set and the, the director was shot and the cinematographer was shot and killed. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and, our, you know, just in a non, hopefully non-inflammatory sort of way. But before we get into that, I think we'll talk a little bit about the more frivolous conversations of the week. First off, let's start. Let's talk about being the Ricardos. The um, yes, the trailer for being the Ricardos, the um, biopic movie about um, Lucia Ball and Desi Arnaz at the height of the I Love Lucy years, directed by Aaron Sorkin. They dropped a teaser trailer this week, and we already made our thoughts known, but I figured we'd bat it around a little bit more about this idea of um, the responsibility that actors and directors have when they're shooting a biopic, especially when it's of legendary people, mm-hmm. really iconic freaking right, right, people. Right. How much do they have to uh, worry about, say, uh, how much they resemble the person, how much they sound like the person? Um, for me... Uh, I really do come down on the idea that you do not, if if the if the story, if the script is good, if the actor is really good, um, and if they have something that they want to say about that person and they get it across, it it'll matter less if there's a resemblance or or a vocal resemblance, so long as they get to some sort of truth about the character. You think about. Um, Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash movie, where right. Joaquin Phoenix didn't look anything like him, and and. Um, What's her name? Reese Witherspoon didn't look anything like her, but, uh, but they, they were both they, nominated. But they captured the the emotion, and the essence of the, the essence of both. Yeah, so you don't have to look like those people. I do think Lucille Ball is like in that Marilyn Monroe sort of sphere of celebrity legend that their faces are so iconic, right? That you kind of expect the person there, to look the same. Yeah, it, yeah there is a certain expectation right. there that you can't just cast anyone in those roles. You can't just put anyone in that wig and say, "Here's Lucille Ball." Um, there does have to be some sort of uh, something you can capture about the the woman's physicality, and that's the other thing about Lucy is that she was so physical. Her face. That is why she's one of the greatest, you know, television comics. She of all. was very strong. Yeah, like, she a, had a present, rubbery had a, face. Yeah, and yeah. She was. Ex- she knew physical comedy. She knew how to use her body. So there's a physicality to Lucy, especially Lucy of that era when she was under fifty and still doing a lot of like really physical. Well, she was doing physical right. comedy into her sixties. Um, oh, Miss Mew Mew is. I don't know if you guys are if the mics are picking it up, but she has decided to weigh in on this Say issue. Say hi. So there's, do, how do you, do you agree with everything? No, I agree. I agree. Uh, sometimes you expect the person to look the same and, you know, every, you know, the first thing they do is to show the first look, the first, you know, picture, blah, blah, blah. And everyone talks about it, how they look the same. Right. That happens a lot. And I think people tend to expect that in general, which is fine. But I go more for the uh, vibe, for the uh, personality, for the I agree. Uh, emotion, uh, you know the way the person behave and talk and and stuff like that. I, I totally I, I agree. Think that, but I that think is, that's, I think that's more important uh, to capture. Yeah, because that's what you're trying to uh, present in a movie or or a TV series about someone. It's their life. You have to believe that that's right. Lucille Ball. The audience right. has to believe that on some level, and that doesn't mean you have to like recreate exactly her, but thing. you have to on some level create a reality that makes people believe that. Right. My issue with the casting here is not that Nicole Kidman, and we'll get to Javier Bardem, who was playing Desi, Desi Arnaz, 
Nicole Kidman, it's not that she doesn't look like Lucy, and she does not look like Lucy. I'm sorry. You can't just put any big-eyed white woman with red hair in she that really role. She really does. She just doesn't. She's very delicate featured, and Lucy was yeah. very had a very sort of statuesque right. movie star kind of face. Um, but... It's the physicality of her. It's it's when they, they do a voiceover and it's all supposed to be Lucille Ball talking behind the scenes. And, you know, Nicole tries to sound tough and she tries to speak in a lower register. But I'm like, man, that just does not no, give me no. any of this woman at all. And in the few scenes that they tried to recreate the grapes uh, squishing, you know, scene see it for a split second i'm like yeah no the physicality is all wrong she's not that type of actress who can throw herself into in, that's not nicole is a very good actress but she's a very mannered actress and she's right. in her sweet spot i've said this before when she's playing uh very hot, stressed out women very just you know stressed out and sometimes delicate or delicate seeming women that's not lucille ball at all then you get to, not to mention the fact that she's about 10 years too old for the role at this time. And he's too old, too. And he's way too old, because <laughs> yeah. Desi was like six years younger right. than Lucille. He would have been in his late 30s at this yeah. time. And Javier Bardem I mean, I love like Javier Bardem. He's a fantastic actor. Same. But you can't just pick someone famous with an accent to play the part. <laughs> There's something a little, like, I'm not, you know, a Latin American or anything. I'm not the one who can lead this charge. But I'm, I agree. I'm like, you can't just put any spanish-speaking man in oh, that yeah. role and expect oh you have an accent come on as as we said <laughs> in, in i think the tweet either the tweet or in the post that we wrote like desi arnaz aside from fidel castro he is literally one of the most famous cuban men of all time and and tcm has shown a lot of movies and lately they've been showing a lot of movies uh, of both mm -hmm. uh with both and uh he, I forgot how gorgeous he was. That's he what was I was going to get to. He, Harry Bardem is um, very he, hot, very hot, rugged yeah. and masculine, and he's a beefy guy. Tessie Arnaz was a soft-lipped, doe-eyed, yeah. slick-haired pretty boy. That was the whole reason. Yes, yes. That was why she was so crazy about him, because he was like a Zac Efron and high school musical type. Like, that is what his appeal was back then. It wasn't that he was this rough and tumble. He was the the light version, because there were much more famous yeah, versions, yes. of the Latin American lover. Yes, yeah, so he, he, he... The got, Don Juan he type. He, quote-unquote, got away with it because he kind of looked like a white person. But... Uh, in terms of yeah, fame, yeah, yeah. in terms of fame and, be, and, peop, and being accepted by the American... Right. Uh, but know, he was pretty. Population. He was pretty. He, was he wasn't a yes, very big... Yes. He was actually kind of slight... So, again, it's just like, mm, I don't know. I don't know that I buy him. He feels really wrong. He feels decades too old. When he opened right. his mouth, I'm like, that doesn't, that's not, none, none of this. If you take away the music and the Lucy wig, mm -hmm. you, you don't get these characters, you don't get those people at all. And I realize it's a teaser trailer, but we've had time. We've looked at the pictures and... right. All I'm saying is I had my doubts about the casting from the get-go, and nothing about that trailer has... It's only yeah. reinforced everything. And it gets I, a little more complicated than that, because when you look at, at someone from Spain, you know, there's all this conversation about, are you actually Latin or a white person from Europe? You know, you right. get all of that conversation. Right. And you, you can question that. I mean, right. why not get someone uh, actually from, I don't know, from Cuba or, or from Puerto Rico or, from Latin, or, America. or Latin American I, in I, general? This may sound like a cliche, yes. but when... When I was trying to think, well, who, who? I, I have to right. say it, Lin-Manuel Miranda would have been a better choice than Javier Bardem because he has that same sort of soft-faced, right, right, pretty face, right, you know. Right. You put him in the slick back hair, he would have been more appropriate than someone like Javier yeah. Bardem. And I also think 
someone like Jessica Chastain, probably, like look at her Tammy Faye yes, Baker. Yes, she yes. can throw herself into that sort right. of caricature work. Um, again, it doesn't have to be a redhead. People were throwing out Amy Adams, and I'm like, you know, you can dye anyone's hair red. It right. does not have to well, be a redhead. Someone Her our, hair was dyed. It wasn't the original yeah. color. <laughs> Someone in our comments mentioned Marissa Tomei, and I was like, you know what? That's kind of counterintuitive, but I could actually see her doing it. I just don't feel... I feel like Aaron Sorkin just was like, what's the most famous redhead white woman I can well, think of? And that's, that he went with her. That's the thing with, with those productions in general is that they have to make money and they always think about money uh no matter what so they have to go with big names or there are big name actresses i just said jessica chastain but but it's it's this whole production uh of picking whoever is available whoever has a contract with whoever it it's never looking for the actual people in in most of the time looking for the actual people who could do a good job right it's whoever is available, whoever has a contract, or is obligated to hire whoever. Or his friends, like yes, I mean, exactly. You know, or it, Aaron just, Sorkin yeah. always wanted to work with her, or whatever. Right. But um, I remain unconvinced about this. I mean, it's not a big deal to me, but you know, whatever. Um, I know we talked a lot about Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana, and I admit that she is a long shot casting. She doesn't look like her, and she doesn't have the natural bearing of her. But I did think. She could bring, like, she has that same reticence. She has that same, like, willowy quality where she shies away from the press. And Kristen Stewart knows firsthand what happens when the press gets out of hand and becomes obsessed with you. So I felt like she had a lot she could bring to that. Just like Natalie Portman is Jackie Kennedy. No, absolutely not. Doesn't look anything like her. But she has that same sort of aristocratic bearing about her that allows her to explore that side of the character. I think... I've I've I have watched many movies uh, with uh, Kristen Stewart, and I actually like her. There, I think she's a good actress. There is a movie I can't remember the name. She plays a, a stylist, not a stylist, or she works for a stylist or something like that. Personal shopper. Yeah, personal shopper. That's near the movie. Wow, you remember? Great. Well, it's one of her more famous. Anyway, movies. I love that movie because she's so great in it. I, I think she can do very good a, a very good job most of the time. And I think, as you said, because she had to deal with the press, because because she had to kind of like. I guess hide that's the word uh, that she was a queer person uh, for so long and she had to deal with that. I remember people pressuring her to wear high heels on the red carpet and to look a certain way. So I think, I think she can bring all that, that tension, you know, presenting a certain image to the public as opposed to your real image. I think she can do all that. Um, We'll see. I watched the trailer and I thought, which one are you talking about now? Spencer, t- you're, you're talking yeah, about that. Okay. No, I, I'm done with Spencer now. Spencer, I'm talking the trailer for for uh, the Ricardos. Uh, I think um, it does sound like a. <laughs> I watched it and it looks like a like a bad production by Ryan Murphy for Netflix. You know <laughs> that that type of like yeah. I'm trying, but it's really not working type of thing. Yeah, I don't see it, but we'll see. I mean, I think it comes out around Christmas time on Prime. I think it's on Prime. Yeah. Um, I'll watch it. Uh, definitely. I'll watch yeah. it, of course. It's, you know, it's an interesting story. And I have to see. I have to see if the casting works. So but stay tuned on that one. We are going to move on to another television story in a minute. But before we do that, let's talk about your Christmas shopping yeah. or your holiday shopping, I actually. Shopping. Because um, I, you've been hearing all about how hard it is to do shopping now. And like now is the time. And 
And we just have just the place for you because this portion of the podcast is being sponsored by Uncommon Goods. If you're on a mission to be the best gift giver ever this year, it's never too early to start crossing off your list. Whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, or your best friends, Uncommon Goods makes it easy to find remarkable and truly original gifts for everyone. Uncommon Goods wants your holiday season to be stress-free, so check out their selection of thousands of items today. Here are a few of the my favorite gifts that I found on their site. I know, Lorenzo, you went nuts for the buildable train station yes, advent calendar. I know, I love them. Which is really for kids, but you, I, no, I, I don't think our friend listens to this podcast, no, so you can say his uh, name. No, no, well, I, I have my best friend, Greg, he is obsessed with trains, so anything you get with trains, uh, he goes nuts over it. So uh, this is perfect. It's this adorable yeah. little wooden advent calendar, and I yeah. just um, introduced Lorenzo to the joy of advent calendars last year. Oh my year. God, yes. But uh, I love them. Yeah, but uh, and I, I'm, you know, a little aside. I'm trying to find one for him right now. So. Well, there you go. Uh, but I also like they have a Christmas popcorn gift set. They have a bunch of cute things like these, uh, the little how the cookie house ha- that you put on the top of your mugs for hot cocoa and stuff. They have these personalized snowflake ornaments. Han- oh, the handcrafted caramel advent calendar. Mm. Yes. Perhaps. Well, that's what I love about them is that everything is kind of unique that you can't find someplace else. Absolutely. And, and, and you just, you know, because usually the you get the Spectacular Women online. Ornament yeah. Collection. Come on now. Yes. I'm going to get that from my niece, I think. 12 Days of Holiday Chocolates. The Seasonal Simple Syrup Set. I could just keep going and I should probably go back to reading the copy. So... Um, who knows what holiday shopping will look like this season and unique gifts at Uncommon Goods can sell out fast. So shop now and get it taken care of early. No matter what they are into, Uncommon Goods has the perfect gift from art and jewelry to kitchen, home and bar. Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. So, to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash T-L-O. That's U-N-C-O-M-M-O-N-G-O-O-D-S dot com slash T-L-O for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. They are, really. Love that tag. No, it's true. I used to work in advertising, and that is a great tag. It is, because everything is unique. You just have, you can do a search, you type the word you want, cats, dogs, whatever, and you get all these incredible uh, suggestions and ideas. Okay, next, moving on to the world, uh, again, in the world of television, we're just going to rehash something that popped up on our site this week that we've been holding on to for a while, Mm. which was we had... Someone had contacted us to tell us. It was after we featured... We're talking about the Sex and the City reboot um, and just like that. And we um, went on a rant because the costumes were getting crazier and crazier. They're shooting on the streets in New York. and, And, you know, there's something very showy about what they're choosing to shoot out on the street in New York. Like they're choosing to shoot her kissing men other than Big or seemingly having an argument with Big. And... um. Uh, that's a lot of, I mean, I, I know that show like the back of my hand and the really emotional core scenes didn't always happen out on the street. They tended to happen on sets where they could explore their, you know, like in apartments or restaurants or whatever. Um, so the fact that they're choosing, yeah. So there's something very showy about the production that was always hard to pin down. 
And then she was wearing all of these crazy outfits. And Carrie is known for crazy outfits, but a lot of these things didn't look like We're stuff. Just, she, yeah, it kind was of just a joke. Yeah, trashy looking stuff. So someone contacted us and the person that we know, and they would not. They would be in the know. But uh, I do want to say they're not someone in the production, and someone tried to guess that it was Sarah Jessica Parker because we once had a phone conversation with her, but I swear yep. to God, it's not. Yep. It's not someone involved in the production, but it is someone who would more than likely be in the know. And they said to us, uh, just so you know, I was told that they were using a lot of decoy looks for um, the right. location shots. Because the photographers are all there taking pictures, because, you know, 24-7. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, this was a while ago we were told this. And I didn't, we, we're not a gossip site, and I didn't really want to do it. I believe it. I do believe it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do anything with that information, and I honestly thought it would come out. Like, I thought some other, some gossip site or some other sort of site would come up, mention it, but nobody did. And then this week... Um, she was photographed again on location in just an outfit that is so absolutely ridiculous. Like she had a scarf tied babushka style around <laughs> her her head and she was wearing rubber dishwashing gloves and her shoes were unbuckled. And, you know, maybe there is some humorous scene where Carrie or, runs up on yeah, the street like that. I'm not ruling it a out. A dream or a nightmare, who knows? But <laughs> it felt, and she was really mugging for the cameras. Like I didn't see a lot of work getting done. I saw a lot of like fooling around getting right. done. Um. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to say it. So, you know, we talked about it. And I was like, let's just say this rumor that we heard, because this looks like the real thing. And we did. And it actually got picked up by a bunch of places, which is kind of why I didn't say it before, because I kind of thought that was going to happen. I don't have any inside track on anything. So we don't know for sure. I mean, exactly. this is just something and we heard. nobody from the production is in but, contact with us. But so. after it was told to us, yeah. uh, it kind of, you look at the pictures again, you're like, oh, okay. It clicks kind of, into place. Yeah, it, it makes sense. There's something very, uh, if you look at all the scenes that are being shot outside, very in very showy scenes. Um, I remember she was like, they were all... Uh, looking at Natasha, the ex-wife, and they were all like overacting for the cameras and everything. And then when you add up all these scenes, it's really hard to come up with any storyline that makes any sort of sense. Sometimes it's like, did did Big die? Did they divorce? Are they reconciled? Like, what is going on in this series? That's interesting because now you mentioned the, the her with another man kissing and stuff. And I was like, wow, you know, that could be just... Not true at all. <laughs> you don't know. I mean, that's a real actor, John Tenney, that she was kissing. Uh, he's, Who knows? He's not some nobody, but... um, Oh, my goodness. Miss Mew Mew was She's yelling her head off at us. Anyway. Uh, so, I don't know. I just... Personally, I think it's true. I think it's probably smart of them to do that. They knew that all the eyes were going to be on this production. They were that people like us mm-hmm. specifically right. were going to give it coverage because of the outfits. Right. Um, oh my God, she's so annoying. What an obnoxious cat. Uh, I'm (laughs) sorry, everyone. Anyway. Um, (laughs) um, anyway, she's going to jump up on the table. Here she is right next to the microphone. Okay. Anyway, that's my thought. Do you have any further thoughts on that? No, I think that we'll see. It's interesting. Now I'm curious and see, of course I'm going to watch it too. So. Um, the more that comes out, the more I actually do want to watch it. I'm going to watch it. And, and yeah, because I'm curious to see, you know, I'm always for the fashion and the costumes, all that. And, uh, yeah, it's we'll see how it is. Um, but we'll do see you how, believe, how, 
you know, the actual story and I don't know. I don't believe in all of that. I think it's just... Do you believe be, that they're putting decoy costumes out? It does kind of make sense. Uh, I think maybe there's a possibility there that they're doing that, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's right next to the microphone. <laughs> I swear she knows what microphones are. She knows she has to get up <laughs> next to one to be heard. All right. So those are our thoughts on the little TV um, previews of the week. Uh, what are we going to do next? Well, since we're talking about sets, we might as well talk about the Alec Baldwin thing. I know, which is a horrible thing. It is a horrible thing. Um, uh, as we said at the top of the podcast, um, Alec Baldwin is starring in a, a Western that is shooting in New Mexico called Rust. And yesterday, uh, uh, Thursday, uh, it was reported that the cinematographer was killed and the director was shot because of a gun on set that was apparently a prop gun. Um, that had uh, that was loaded with more than blanks, or was loaded, and we still don't have information on what exactly happened. Right, so better not say much about that. No, don't I don't want to. Yeah. It's an unfolding story, and and I don't want to start getting into the weeds of who may be at fault. I do think, um, you know, Alec Baldwin is a controversial figure. Um, certainly, most Republicans. Uh, don't like him at all because he was, first off, he made fun of Trump for many years on Saturday Night Live, and he was just a very vocal anti-Republican um, uh, celebrity. Uh, but he's also gotten in trouble with people on the left many times over the years. He's something of a blowhard. He has put himself out there on social media a lot. He's gotten into all kinds of arguments and kerfuffles. His wife, Hilaria, went through her own little thing last year when it turned out that she had been posing as a Latina when, in fact, she was a white woman from Boston uh, named Hillary. Um, So there's just a lot swirling around that family, a lot of reasons to dislike them, a lot of reasons to wish ill on them or to use their misfortune in whatever, you know. So I just... I don't think it's likely that Alec Baldwin is going to be in any sort of trouble or found culpable for this as the actor. It, right. I just don't see that how that didn't even cross my mind. Well, to I be mean, honest. there's so many yeah. people on on social media but calling for know. him to be arrested for manslaughter and all this other stuff. And again, I know it's easy to dislike the guy and it's hard to be sympathetic. But if you saw the pictures of him outside the sheriff's office, or was it? The, I think it was the sheriff's office or the hospital in New Mexico absolutely distraught and beside himself this was clearly a terrible terrible accident right um i mean and it, it has happened before uh, it happened to to brandon lee in the early 90s shooting the crow bruce lee's son it happened to john eric hexham who was in that was in the early 80s now he shot himself right he was playing with a gun he was playing around with it and he yeah. just thought he could pull the trigger and nothing would happen and he fractured his skull and with lee it was they actually they were actually shooting him for the scene right i, and, and I think so and then anyway my point is that it's a little strange that the director and the uh, director of photography, you know, were shot. I guess it was a, they were looking at him. I mean, I, like, that's, yeah, it's it, all it's, people said he was joking and shooting it, but there's no real, yeah. you know, the um, IndieWire ran a report today that the um, the IATSC, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees Union, put out an email saying that the prop master on the set was not union. I have no idea if any of that is true. So I'm not here to look at culpability yet because we just don't have information. I right. just um, I just think it's a shame that people are using this immediately to go after a celebrity when in all like, I mean, he's the actor. He's not the person responsible for making sure that stuff is safe. 
Um, and it would seem to me on the surface, at least, that he's as much a victim. Obviously, he's not a victim in the same sense that of the poor woman who got killed. Uh, her name was Helena Hutchins. She was a cinematographer from Ukraine and very promising. She was yeah, only 42 a, years old. There's her, not a yeah. lot of women. You know, it's it's a field that hasn't always been great about allowing women to rise up. And she was specifically very excited to be working on a genre film like a Western because women don't typically get to shoot those kind of films. So just tragedy, it tragedy, is, tragedy, tragedy all around. Yeah. The director was released from the hospital today, so it doesn't sound like it was anything too serious. I mean, he was shot, <laughs> but um, it doesn't sound like it was too serious uh, if he was released. I just think it's a shame that people are going to use this to go after him. Like him or not, I just don't think that's right. Um, this is going to torture him for the rest of his life. It may actually, who knows what it means for his career. Yeah, I, th I think, I think... A lot of questions um, that need to be oh, answered. Oh God, yes. Um, and 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 things and measurement, and measurement measures, you know, and 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 things that need to be done. Uh, because I, as we, as you pointed out and and, and posted on Twitter, um, it's strange that we're still dealing with that kind of thing. On it's just crazy that with the advancements in digital special effects technology in the last 20 to 25, I mean, we are the, in the third or fourth decade of digital special effects revol of the revolution. And right. there have been dinosaurs and orc armies and superhero battles in the sky. They have created entire cities. They have resurrected dead actors. The idea that we're still using practical firearms when you can do all of that uh, in a computer, you can do anything in a computer. Why would you endanger people that way? Can't you? There produce was an actor on Twitter, Xander Berkeley. He's a character actor. You would recognize him immediately if you saw his face. And he was saying that about he's been calling for this for years, and how much uh, people have suffered hearing loss. How many actors have suffered hearing loss from guns? Because those guns go off. They may not fire actual bullets, but they do. There's like they make the sound. They that, make the sound. Sometimes yeah. there's there's things get projected out of them. That's I think what happened with John Eric Hexum. It's not that it was a bullet; it was a blank that got ejected. Right, and, and, and let's not forget that they shoot the same scene like several times. So yeah. that means they they shoot several times. It's insane that this level of on, you know, it's just insane that it's such an unsafe practice that doesn't seem necessary. The only reason I can think, well, there's two reasons. I know that the argument is um, you need the recoil on the gun for the actors to physically recoil to make it look believable. But I find it hard to believe that you can't rig some sort of gun that would cause an arm to recoil. They, you know what I mean? They're that, actors. You yeah. Can't, well, no, you can't fake an involuntary reaction. Like, I that's guess. true. I mean, I understand that. But I just don't, with everything that can be done right. digitally, with everything that can be done with mechanically, with special effects, the idea that they're shooting real guns just to get their arms to move a certain way is insane. It is insane. To yeah. me, it insane. It is insane. I agree. There's no reason for that. Uh, every time someone dies on camera, I mean, like, I, I mentioned to you that every every time I see someone getting ha hanged or, or, or kill themselves, you know, hang themselves, I'm always like, there's no way I would ever do that scene. I don't care how much money you give me. Well, they're actors. I, I mean. know, but no, but you're still like hanging there no matter what they did. Right. Uh, no, it's, there's certain things that I'm like, no, I wouldn't do it. It's too risky. Yeah, I I just feel terrible for everybody involved. And I, I just wonder who, what sort of negligence was, I don't want to I don't want to, you know, conjecture here. No, no, here I because agree, but the whole thing is horrible. Uh, somebody just, fucked up. Yeah, um, and again, somebody fucked up, but also at the same time, the industry has to do something about it because you see stunts dying a lot, and I've been reading a oh, lot well, about... Oh, well, you were talking about the Ruby Rose thing. She yeah. put out this 
this scathing um, series of messages on Instagram against the uh, producers of Batwoman, which she left the show. She was the star of the show on CW for the first season, and she left abruptly. And I knew there was, I was like, there's a story there. And to be honest, I think there's still a story there because she laid out some insane allegations about how evil every, and it, I don't want to make, but she didn't, she didn't make the best advocate for herself in some of these. She just didn't sound particularly right on top of things. But the timing of this. But you know, yeah. it is true. Some of the allegations about uh, crew members who got burned and someone who wound up a paraplegic, that's all true. She herself was injured on the set. And it does sound like there were unsafe working conditions on that right. set. And I agree. Like, this week has been not a good one for, uh, you know, the production industry and how it's how it... I mean, maybe time to start looking at how our our films are so and our television shows are so explosive and so cinematic and so over the top now that right. the fear is with with all of this content and, and the competition getting more and more and more intense that they will start doing anything to get the shot to get the you right. know to right. to thrill the audience all that much more. I mean, Tom Tom Cruise was hanging off of airplanes uh, for Mission Impossible. It starts getting so insane that you really have to question, is this really entertaining or is it just spectacle? I know. And it, it, is it really worth it? That's yeah. the point. I is mean, it art? You, yeah. I mean, is it... I know you can hire, hire these uh, stunt people and, and then, you know, they sign a contract that, you know, if they die, they die, you know. But it it's just not... The conditions are not safe, I think. No. You know, enough. Uh, um, and there's something, you know... Now I understand why sometimes I've seen people, I've seen major stars shooting anything and they can't do even the, even something simple as jumping, you know, whatever, jumping off, I don't know, a building or whatever, something that they could easily do, but they don't do it because of the insurance uh, policy, right? Right. And and safety and all that stuff. Now I understand why. I mean, it is, it is. And yeah. I know I... I worked very briefly on film sets a long time ago, and I worked on very low-level shit. Like, and the people who I worked with were not at the top of their game. It was right. a lot of burnouts and losers because I was working on low-budget crap. But I do remember um, I worked on stuff that had special effects departments that had there were explosive fire and there were explosive charges on the set. There were fires on the set, and there were guns on the set. Um, and even those burnouts and losers that I worked with, um, and I mean burnouts, like just they got fired from every job they ever had and that sort of thing. Um, even then, the respect they had for uh, firearms, for explosive charges, for any sort of fire pyrotechnics, the way they would go around to make sure the entire crew and the actors were all aware that this was on set and this was about to happen and you were going to hear a loud noise and, it, you know... Even those people back then were good at making sure everyone understood the gravity of the situation when those things right. were on. So I can't imagine how something like this happens. I just, yeah, I just can't imagine. There, I think there had to be a bunch of dominoes to fall for that for that event to actually take place, which seems to have been exactly the same thing with Brandon Lee and John Eric Hexham, where it just was a series of mistakes or misunderstandings that wound up in tragedy. I've just never heard of well an actress shooting a director and a cinematographer. That's just understand. freaking insane. I mean, uh, yeah, the only thing I can think of is that they were shooting a scene where he was, it was actually like they were facing the actor, right. you know, or, you know what I mean? Like he's Something pointing, like he's that. pointing the gun to the camera. Right. I mean, that's the only explanation because well, how would you, yeah, shoot 
Yeah, the right. director and the director of photography. It's 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 strange. I mean, the story is that he's been he was like joking around, but I I actually really find it hard to believe that an yeah, actor I of don't that caliber. Go there. I don't want to even go there because I don't know. I'll, right, I'll I'm wait. not reporting it. I'm just yeah. saying it was reported. Um, and I actually don't believe it to be true. Okay, let's move away from that. It's a tragedy. Uh, it's an unfolding story, and I'd be really interested to see if it results in any sort of long-term changes in right production rules and union shop rules well that's that's the only thing that you know good that would come out of this it's make things more you know, make things safer yeah for we'll everyone see. around yeah um okay the final little subject of the week is our good pal pete Buttigieg. who yeah uh, no he's not my good pal no. but we have since his rise on the national stage we've written about him and talked about him several times because um he is you know pretty much a trailblazer um as a gay man who uh he's not the first gay cabinet secretary i don't believe so but he is the first um I know other gay people have run mm-hmm. for, for the presidency before, but he managed to take his his much further than anybody else, and he managed to get much more press as a gay man running for office. And that you and I have felt a little bit of a kinship with him because he is a white gay man with a husband, so he's he's representing a specific type of very very mainstream gayness of which we happen to be a part. We embody that lifestyle. We are a married middle class white gay male couple. So and we know gays like him. We don't have a lot of affinity for him at all. No. Like at all, but, but, but there's certain identifying yeah. factors where it's like, well, he when he comes up, I feel like, oh, I can talk about that. And uh, it came out this week or last week actually that um, he has been on a paternity leave because he and his husband, Chastin, uh, adopted a baby, and he's been on f- family leave since August. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, people will use anything to attack anybody. And I, this isn't even a Republican thing. I mean, I think anybody, any cabinet secretary is up for critique uh, f- based on what kind of decisions they make. And, and you know, they use this, and they went after him. Um I will get in a minute. I will say that there are things you can say about this situation that are might be worthy of critique on a political or policy level, but instead the critique went straight to homophobia and misogyny because we live in shit right. times. Um, there were jokes about uh, which one of them were supposed to be breastfeeding. Tucker Carlson said that on his show, and um, yeah, there were, and then there were all these just conservative pundits mostly. Um, so making ignorant. the point that you know men don't need to stay at home. It's ridiculous oh for men to God. stay at home, and you know. So that's what. Well, what does it say about how you feel about women? about women? Yeah, seriously. This is what I always say about the value of queer people is we will show you what you think of yourselves, women. well, of your gender, of yes. your roles. If you look at queer people in the right light. We will show you, we will reflect back at you the things that you fear, the things right. that you hate, the things that you reject. You don't respect. I mean, right. if you're making fun of a man staying home, then... Well, right. Uh, so know, that's a that perfect example a of woman. how queer people can just live their lives and it throws people way off because it fucks up their understanding of how lives are supposed to be lived. And there is, right. sadly a huge portion of American men who feel that men should not be raising their children, should not be taking care of, you know, that they should not be taking time off from work. So it's just a very fucked up thing. Do you have any? No, I totally agree. I I think it's it's wrong to go 
you know, against them and mock them and make fun of them. Uh, you know, they're a couple like any other couple. Uh, and we just have to get used to it. Um, having said all that, I mean, we talked about how taking time off and well, in, I would their say situation that and, the Biden administration inherited a country that was on fire in huge crisis mode. Pete, uh, Pete was made um, Secretary of Transportation, and his previous job was as the mayor of the fourth largest city in Indiana. Like, this was a huge step up for him, and a lot of people would have felt that uh, he wasn't uh, prepared, or, prepared for or that role. So yeah. he had a lot to prove, and that admi- entire administration has a lot to prove, because like I said, they inherited a country on right. fire. Yeah. And they are, you know, the approval ratings was never so high that they could ever, co- like, they needed to prove them. Everyone in that job needs to prove themselves. Um, so I, this may be impolitic of me or politically incorrect of me, but my first impulse and the more I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I don't necessarily think that Pete Buttigieg actually deserves this. I do think men deserve family leave time. I do think, um, well, uh, federal employees get something like 12 weeks, but cabinet secretaries do not. They get leave time granted by the president. Mm-hmm. So he had to ask for this because it wasn't part of his job. Right. And I think the reason it's not part of your job is because, I'm sorry, male or female, you're a cabinet secretary. I'm not sure you should. Be. You only get four years in that role, if assuming you stay in it through the length of one term. So... It's not a normal job. It's not. It's one of those few jobs where I'm like, yeah, I don't think you can actually take that kind of time off because you only have so much time in the role. You haven't proven yourself in this role at all. And we are actually in a time of great crisis. Right. As the Secretary of Transportation, they are. He should be dealing with what is an actual crisis right now, which is our problem with supply chains and goods being not being able to right, get right, through. Right. You know, I I support him as a gay man. I support any man who wants to take the time to raise his children. Um, But I feel like a cabinet secretary, especially one who isn't proven in the role and is in a time of crisis. When I heard he'd been off for two months, he's been off since August. Two months? I'm like, okay. Like, that's a little hard for me to defend. Right. I, 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 like I said, I support it all in theory, but there are certain roles that maybe you, maybe you can't do right. that. Maybe your role is so important or so singular, and it is singular. Right now, there is yeah. no other secretary of transport. I mean, I know there are undersecretaries and everything, but you're not even in the job a year. Right. And I mean, he was only in the job seven months when he took off. And I would not say this about a normal employee in a normal job. Right. We just want to make things clear. Absolutely. It, it, it's not because he's a man. It's not because you, we don't think men... I think any man could take right. that time off seven right. months into a job if that job's not the Secretary of Transportation. It's, it's a position in the situation right now, yeah. That's my point. And of course, you know, but we can't have those conversations. We can't s- critique someone on, you know, those grounds. We have to turn it into he's gay and men don't do that. Everything, even when there's a legitimate complaint, it turns right. into this freaking culture war crap, which makes it so difficult to talk about. And what happens is, and this is probably by design. In fact, I know this is by design. They go after that crap because they know that liberals will just get right, all right, huffy right, right. and out of control and, and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it's... There's no good way to counter that kind of attack without setting yourself looking, you know, whatever, overwrought or or oversensitive or identity politics or whatever. Um, That's all I really wanted to say about that. I support him. 
I support all men who want to spend time with their children. I support more than anything. I support men who who encourage and I encourage men to take care of their families in the same in the way that they expect right. their wives right, and right, partners right, right. to do so. Um, it's not a. It shouldn't be a part time job for you. I I, um, I expect men to do and 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 have the same expectations that they have. You know when it comes to women in general. And so. I expect this as a childless person. The reason I have these expectations is because it's bad for the culture that I live in uh, that, A, women are so overworked and, right. and don't get that relief, and B, that men are so toxic that they think there's something weird or laughable about being fathers, hands-on fathers. Right, right. That is just bad for our culture all around, and it results in these moments of homophobia against someone like Pete Buttigieg. When you could have critiqued him, there were legitimate grounds. So but that's the, but, my issue. But there. that's how blinded they are, you know, in terms of their hatred and, and everything, uh, that they, they think they can mock a gay person for taking time off, but at the same time, they don't think that that's revealing a lot more about them. Yeah. Uh, but know. it's making their red meat, you know, it's making their followers happy. Well, of course, because you know. they all think the same. They think the same. They think, they, it's they think the same. Only way. sissies yeah. take care of their children. It's anyway, a, yeah, anyway, do we have anything else to say? No, we have torn through a lot of topics. This I week. know, I know, I know. Um, we, yeah, anyway. so yes, thank you for listening to us ramble our way through these. And, um, we'll be until next week when we'll be back with whatever crosses our yeah. eyes or crosses our desk. Please take care of yourself, stay safe, love you, mean it. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.